I was born in the Congo. I walked the fertile crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center giving divine perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne drinking nectar with Allah, got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains create the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert with a packet of goat's meat and change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle so swift, so swift, you can't catch me. For a birthday present, when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built Newark, and I stood proudly at the helm. As we sailed on a soft summer day, I turned myself into myself and was Jesus. Men intoned my loving name, all praises, all praises. I am the one who would save. I sowed diamonds in my backyard. My bowels deliver uranium. The fillings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my heirs are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so eternal, so surreal, I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. Nikki Giovanni 1943 ego tripping. There may be a reason why. I am Benjamin Owakari Unanowo, content curator and editor for the SonicBreakdown.com, and you are listening to another Stay Woke podcast episode of Woke Conda Report. And I'm so glad for you to be here today for another episode focusing on the women of Wakanda. I think that was a perfect poem when we're talking about the women of Wakanda. I'm so excited for this film. I remember following the research thinking, okay, they're saying phase three. Marvel is going to go ahead and put out the Black Panther movie, but they were looking for a director. And I remember rumors that Ava DuVernay was supposed to be on the short list. Uh, Ryan Coogler ended up getting the film. I was super excited. However, being a fan of the pre-series, the Christopher Priest series that came out for the Black Panther, I was a little apprehensive because I thought, wow, I really hope Coogler understands how important casting as well as how important the story is going to be to have the Dora Milaje. Because if the Dora Milaje, the adorned ones, uh, as they're called, if they're not in this film, gonna be trouble, trouble. But when we're watching Captain America Civil War, it was awesome to go ahead and see uh, that film. And there was the scene with the Black Widow trying to go ahead and talk to T'Challa. And as T'Challa's character is walking away, we go ahead and see a beautiful, tall, statuesque woman standing there with a stern look on her face that basically she went ahead and told the Black Widow, 
move or I will move you. And right then and there, I was like, she's got to be a part of the Dora Milaje. They're going to go ahead and be in the movie about how the women of Wakanda are going to be treated. Um, and that character is the character Ao, who's this like awesome fighting master that trains all the Dora Milaje that is played by Florence Kasumba. So super excited about that. Wakanda, what can I say? You can't really talk about it without talking about the women in Wakanda, which, let's be honest, the Marvel Universe has done a terrible job of having women of color portrayed. It's not as if they're portrayed in a, in a bad light, but if you're not portrayed really enough, then you are being portrayed in a bad light. So it's been interesting to go ahead and see uh, how they changed the night nurse and created that character for the Daredevil series. And they happen to have the night nurse as a woman of color. It's been interesting to go ahead and see Misty Knight, who is a character of color that is portrayed by a woman of color that we see in the TV series. These are all the Netflixes. However, we really haven't seen women of color portrayed in the Marvel universe, you know, cinematic universe for the films. So, now we're just being bombarded with women of color. We're getting black women. We are getting some of the best cream of the crop actresses. Uh, like I said, Florence Kasumba will be playing Ao, And we're going to go ahead and get Danny Guerrero, which we know her as Michonne from The Walking Dead, that's going to play Okoye. Uh, and we also are going to go ahead and have Nakia, also known as Malice, if you happen to read the comics, that's going to be played by Lupita Nyong, uh, from, you know, Oscar Award winning actress from 12 Years a Slave. So it's awesome that we're going to have those be our major characters for the Dora Milaje. And then also Angela Bassett is going to be playing the Queen Mother. So very excited to go ahead and see how these characters come to life with inside of Wakanda. So I was talking a little bit earlier about the Dora Milaje, and they happen to go ahead and be a female fighting force that exists with inside of Wakanda. And they are taken actually from a historical standpoint when we're talking about the Amazons, the Dahomey Amazons that exist. The Dora Milaje, the adorned ones, actually... Uh, a lot of these characters that were originally drawn by Priest, uh, they were not in the original comics that feature the Black Panther from the 1970s with the run with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee or with the original Jungle Action comics. These women first appeared with inside of the Marvel Universe in the 90s with the Priest run of the Black Panther. And he definitely did some historical work on them because you can tell that they come from the Dahomey women. Um that exists from the Fon people, which are a major African group that basically exists around the Benin areas uh, in the southern region. Uh, that's group, the Fon, are also found in like southwest Nigeria and Togo. So the Fon people and the Dahomey Amazons, they were a Fon all-female military regiment, uh, part of the kingdom of Dahomey, and they were just absolute badasses. I mean, these women were trained... Uh, in all sorts of martial arts with uh, weapons. They had an infantry. They had archers. They were very skilled in combat and structure. 
and were one of the great fighting forces of, you know, the known world. And they just so happened to go ahead and be an all-female force. So when you see some of these Amazons sometimes in popular media, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, they're doing their liberal thing. They're adding black Amazons in with Wonder Woman. No. Black Amazons have existed throughout time and are just now finally going ahead and getting the recognition that they deserve. So definitely a shout out to Priest and him bringing the Dora Milaje into the fold. So what's interesting about them is they are also all sworn to basically be the wives. They are the paramours of the Black Panther. So in our previous uh, episode, we talked about how Killmonger is a little bit more of a traditionalist and T'Challa is more of a pragmatist. But also we might see that T'Challa inside of him might have some of the traditionalism inside of his system, which also partly might be shaped in patriarchy for the fact that he's so pragmatic and kind of shuns away from some of the tribal traditions that exist a part of the Panther cult. But he actually ends up bringing the Dora Milaje back into the fold and recommissioning them as a fighting force and bringing that back. So he finds some value in, I guess, knowing that he could have um, all these women a part of his fighting force, but also he could marry any of them. They've basically taken an oath and sworn to not ever to not taking any other husbands, uh, not having any children unless it would go ahead and be with the king. So they, in a way, you know, some people on the outside might look at them being concubines, but it's a lot deeper than that. So, but it's interesting to just think that a person like T'Challa will want to go ahead and bring this back when he's kind of been opposed to a lot of the traditions of the Panther cult and of Wakanda. So that's interesting to think of that. Also, for the African-American women that are out there, a really cool story, which I don't believe this character is going to be in the Black Panther movie that's going to drop on the 16th of February in 2018. However, we are going to go ahead and possibly see them maybe in the second film. And this character is Queen Justice. Queen Justice Divine. Super cool character. Basically, she's an African-American girl living in the United States of America, and she, through a grandmother, has a lineage to the Wakandans and to the Panther cult, and as a result, eventually she finds out her heritage and is brought back to Wakanda, where then she chooses to go ahead and become a part of the Royal Guard. So, who knows, you know? Deep down inside, when they always talk about the fact that we are descendant from kings and queens, it's a really dope homage to that notion to have a character that is born here in the States, in the United States of America, sees themselves as just African-American, and actually they do have uh, a lineage to being a uh, queen and being uh, able to go ahead and join the Dora Milaje. Because they were also formed for the fact of bringing the country together. So all of the members are blue bloods of Wakanda that are from rival tribes, a part of Wakanda, and they're all taken out in order to go ahead and also subdue any type of 
upheaval or uprising. So a good way to look at this would be Game of Thrones. As you watch Game of Thrones, or if you're just a fan of history, you can see marriage is a very powerful tool when it comes to combat. Instead of going ahead and trying to create a coup or stop someone from creating a coup, oftentimes marriage is used to go ahead and bring two houses together. We attempted to go ahead and get that between House Stark and the Lannisters in Game of Thrones, if you watch that show, and that went terribly. However, you could see here that it's working for Wakanda. Uh, for the most part, the nation is constantly under a great peace, uh, is not in a wartime, and a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that you have these daughters that are princesses from these rival chieftains that would love for them to go ahead and be safe, and also they've taken an oath pledging themselves to the king, to the panther cult, and to the royal bloodline that exists and controls Wakanda. And this makes me think of Swaziland. So if you're not familiar with it, there is a really great documentary that's out there uh, about Swaziland, which is a country on the continent of Africa uh, in the South African region. And they are the last true monarch that exists on the continent of Africa. And the interesting thing about the documentary is the fact that the king, Maswati III, who's been king since 1986, has uh, estimated about 20 or 14 wives uh, and 24 children. Um, and it actually cost him about $3.17 million uh, dollars annually uh, to go ahead and sustain all of his family members. But most of the wives that he has met, he's met them through what's called the Reed Dance Ceremony, which is an annual Swazi and Zulu event. Uh, in Swaziland, tens of thousands of unmarried and childless Swazi girls and women travel from various chiefdoms uh, to the royal village to participate in this eight-day event that uh, if I wa remember watching on the documentary and you see dance and you see the music and you see all of the um, cultural offerings that go on and through all of this, the king then picks his next bride. And the last bride that he chose um, was a Zulu bride that basically fully merged the houses of the Zulu and the Swazi together. So you can see that not only is it something that's fictional through like Game of Thrones or something that is so far into the past with the um, royal blue blood families that you know, exist through Europe, but this is a practice that also has been on the continent of Africa and is a practice that still goes on today through Swaziland. So that actual um, kingdom participates in these things, and we see the same effect is probably what spurred priests to write in these characters and give them the backstory that exists to why they happen to have the wives that then go on to become Dora Milaje for T'Challa and for just the mantle of the Black Panther. I'd be remiss to go ahead and talk about the royal family without talking about Shuri, who, if you follow the comics, at one point takes on the mantle of the Black Panther. So as we've said before, it's a royal family thing. There is no rule that it has to be one person or another. And also, in true fashion of being pragmatic, when it comes to the nation of Wakanda, it does not have to go ahead and be a male. So 
Princess of Wakanda's name is Shuri. She's the sister of the Black Panther and the heiress to the throne of Wakanda. She's the youngest child of the former king T'Chaka, his only daughter, and his only biological child with Queen Ramonda, his third wife. From a very young age, Shuri has wanted to become the first woman to become the Black Panther. You can see some of this if you've watched what we talked about, um, the aforementioned BET comic, like six-part, I believe, um, TV series that they had. Shuri is in there, and she like even sneaks in, like in typical like Disney female heroine style. She pretends to go ahead and be a guy similar to like Mulan, and she's out here battling to try to go ahead and get the mantle of the Black Panther. But she's kind of thwarted by her brother, and he ends up winning. But beyond that, she's actually more intelligent than her brother T'Challa. You can liken her to basically being the Reed Richards, if you're a Fantastic Four fan, or her being the Iron Man, Tony Stark of Wakanda. I mean, she is the person that develops most of all of their tech. She is weaving and using vibranium and just bending it towards her will and creating all kinds of tech. Like, literally, Wakanda probably has a... Uh, keynote type of speech that happens similar to Apple where it used to be Steve Jobs getting up there and talking about we got the new iPhone like can you imagine how lit the phones are in Wakanda and it's Shuri that's probably up there with a black turtleneck on like so we have the Wakandan 10 like you know it's probably not facial recognition like there they probably like got some type of spiritual recognition that like figures things out like a mood ring and i mean it's it's a different level of technology that i can't comprehend and none of us can but you know who can comprehend it shuri because she's an awesome queen so she's this super intelligent person that also has the spirit of a warrior um later on within the comic series there is a point in time where her brother gives up the mantle of the Black Panther and is off in the U.S. And he's actually like helping out Daredevil because Daredevil disappears for a bit. And T'Challa takes over and being like the man um, of fear and takes over in Hell's Kitchen helping out Daredevil. Well, who has his back? Who's ruling Wakanda with an iron fist, stopping enemies from coming in, in, uh, trying to go ahead and defeat Atlantis, who they happen to have a war with? That's Shuri. She is an amazing um, figure, and I really hope that we get multiple movies so that maybe by the third one, we really get a, a fleshed out, full character for Shuri that leads to her own spinoff, because... If we're going to talk about the Black Panther, we cannot talk about the Black Panther if we're not talking about Shuri. Um, She also ingests the heart-shaped herb, so having that bloodline, she's able to go ahead and take it. Uh, She has enhanced durability, uh, speed, of course, like a a very high intelligence we talked about. She, you know, what's really interesting is I wonder if the Dora Milaje just fight just a little bit harder for Shuri than they fight for her brother. Like, I don't know, you know, because may, or maybe not, maybe, you know, some of those same issues that sometimes plague like patriarchy just is so highly embedded also with inside of the Wakandan society uh, that, you know, maybe they are a bit apprehensive of 
having to go ahead and take orders from another woman, having to have taken orders from a man for so long. Really interesting. Hopefully that's something that Ryan Coogler uh, touches upon uh, later with inside of the series, or we might even get a glimpse of that maybe with some orders that T'Challa might go ahead and give the guard in comparison to Shuri giving them and them just giving her the biggest side eye, like, who are you? So I don't know. It's something that's interesting that I'm definitely going to have my eye on. Now, one cannot talk about Shuri without talking about her mother, Ramonda, the former queen of Wakanda, the wife to the late T'Chaka, and the surrogate mother to T'Challa, because T'Challa's mother actually died during childbirth. So Ramonda was originally from South Africa, and then she won the heart of T'Chaka when he was visiting um, and grieving after his wife had passed. So she's a very interesting character and is going to be played by the ageless wonder that is Angela Bassett. I mean, let's be honest here. Angela Bassett probably actually has the real life Wakandan uh, heart shaped herbs because she has gotten younger throughout time. Like if you've seen her recently, like she doesn't look anything remotely like she looked in the nineties. I mean, she looks the same, but I'm like, she just, she looks like she could be her own daughter. Like, it's amazing. Like, shout out to Melanin, which we're getting plenty of uh, in this movie. So Angela Bassett is playing Ramonda, the Queen Mother. Um, from the comics as well as the TV series and most other mediums, she is wise beyond her years and usually is the counsel for T'Challa. We and he's getting good counsel from her too. This ain't the type of counsel like that Cersei gives her son like in Game of Thrones like this ain't none of this. Oh, I'm trying to go ahead and be the queen mother wink wink, but I'm calling all the decisions. Like Ramona ain't just showing up, pulling up a seat inside the small council meetings. That's not going on. Um but she isn't just a figure that's within the shadows. T'Challa does go to her for advice. Um when it comes to times of war and what she would like most when it comes to times of relationship advice. Uh, she is the queen mother. And like with most mothers um, that even though T'Challa is not her birth son, she's raised him as her own. She wants to see him continue the line, which typically that's something that exists with inside of regular mother and son dynamics. But when you happen to go ahead and be a part of a Royal bloodline, I mean, T'Challa, you got to keep the line going. So as a result, he needs to go ahead and have some kids. So, uh, if you've watched some of the cartoons, it's interesting because she always mentions, uh, so, you know, my son, like, what's going on with that girl that could control the weather? And we're basically referring to storm. Fortunately, unless uh, 20th Century Fox is willing to go ahead and come up off them rights, we won't have Storm showing up inside the MCU anytime soon, but we could cross our fingers that they go ahead and give those rights up, basically like how Sony gave up Spider-Man. Uh, if you don't know, um, during one of his trials where he had to go ahead and leave Wakanda and come back uh, as a man... He was going through an area like Egypt, and he, as in T'Challa, saw a woman that was basically uh, destitute and poor and was being attacked. He saved her from kind of the slavery that she was under, and that character was Aurora Monroe that we would later go to know as Storm. And they rekindled and linked back up again at a later date when T'Challa 
almost in a scene very similar to Roots when Kunta Kente is being kidnapped, is cornered by a bunch of uh, mercenaries that are trying to go ahead and kidnap him to go ahead and use him uh, as bait to be able to get vibranium. And she jumps into action, utilizes her powers, and saves him. Uh, later on, you know, hopefully we would get in the real Civil War. The only thing that brings Tony Stark and brings Steve Rogers, Captain America, together, Iron Man and Captain America, and their different factions that are warring with each other, the only thing that brings them together is the marriage between Storm, Aurora Monroe, and the Black Panther, T'Challa. And it is one of the most beautiful spreads inside of a comic book that you'll ever see. Um, absolutely gorgeous, just a slam dunk job. Hopefully that's something later on down the line that we would see before a reboot would need to happen in the MCU. So Ramonda is a big fan of Storm and wanting to go ahead and see T'Challa uh, be married off. But prior to him or after him talking to Storm, there is a woman that had caught his eye. And that woman is Nakia, who is played by Lupita Nyong. She's T'Challa's former lover and an undercover operative for the Dora Milaje. So if you notice, there are some scenes where clearly it looks like there is kind of an Asian inscription and vibe going in the background. And you can see Lupita Nyong's character just walking and just seeming as she just owns the place. And it's a very James Bond-esque type of scene. And the reason for that is she is literally the James Bond of Wakanda. She is the operative that goes into different countries, into different areas, and does the bidding that is needed in order to protect and keep her country safe. You know, we live in an era now in reality to where information is constantly being stolen. We have gone back to the days of the Cold War almost between us and Russia and North Korea and China and intellectual property is constantly being stolen. So in our world, it's intellectual property, uh, it's big data, but in the world of the MCU and particularly this movie, obviously it's going to be vibranium. And I can tell that most likely She's probably on the case and is probably the person that makes sure that Ulysses S. Claw is captured. So I can't wait to go ahead and see that. Um, there's probably going to be a departure from her comic counterpart um, because she's kind of a villain there. Uh, but maybe, though, that will go ahead and turn. In the comic, she's known as Malice, and she kind of never gets over the fact that T'Challa broke up with her, but it's a little deeper than that. Uh, she ends up getting captured, I believe, by M'Baku, the leader of the white gorilla cult, which we talked about in a previous episode. Um, but she's eventually freed by Killmonger. But uh, there are things done to her mind that basically kind of create her into this sleeper agent who her main purpose is to go ahead and destroy the Black Panther. So once again, that's something that hopefully can be um, further explored in one of the later films, because I just have a feeling that this is going to be something, like I said, that gets reboots. Like we are getting ready to start hopefully like a 20 year process here with the Black Panther. So that's going to be absolutely awesome uh, with her character. Can't wait to see how Lupita Nyong 
uh, plays this character. Now, as progressive as the Black Panther is when it comes to women, it looks like, the MCU really, though, lost an opportunity to stay true, not only to the source material, but to go ahead and give LGBT characters an opportunity to also be visible in the world of the MCU. There was a hashtag that came out uh, earlier this spring that basically stated, let AO have a girlfriend. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a run, which has now ended, of the Black Panther that was done by author and feminist Roxanne Gay, who, if you haven't read any of her um, material, uh, I would start out with Bad. She is an excellent essayist. And um, yeah, just go ahead and check her out. She went ahead and she wrote a run for the... uh, Black Panther series. It was really kind of like a prequel, and it followed Ao and Anika, who is a, another member of the Dora Milaje. So retconned kind of for the movie. Instead, that would be Ao and Okoye, and they in this in a scene inside of the comic that Roxanne wrote, they share a kiss with each other, and they are definitely a couple and share multiple flirtatious moments. And the MCU has just basically straight-washed it, so to speak. They've taken it out. I can understand why they feel that um, they would do that from the backlash that existed with the character in the Beauty and the Beast film. However... um, that's why we do these things. That's the reason why the Black Panther movie was made, was to go ahead and make people uncomfortable uh, and to go ahead and make the hard and fast decisions. So to go ahead and remove a vital part of two prominent characters that are played by two of Hollywood's best, brightest, and up-and-coming actresses, that was really a lost moment. Um I'm pretty sure that Mr. Kugler didn't make the final call on that. But uh, if he had the opportunity to push for it, um, I would hope that he could have pushed for it a little bit more. Um, I'm sure the actresses themselves um, would not have had an issue with it. They seem to be uh, professional in the type of actresses that are willing to go ahead and challenge um, themselves when it comes to taking on roles. I mean, we've all seen what Lupita Nyong did with the role uh, in 12 Years a Slave, which was uh, anytime you're bringing back up uh, movies that deal with the antebellum era of this nation and with the viciousness of chattel slavery, uh, a lot of people just can't handle dealing with those things, let alone want to go ahead and act out some of those scenes. So um, her willingness to challenge herself uh, definitely... uh, was rewarded with the uh, Oscar that she received. And for Danny Gloria, who uh, plays Michonne in The Walking Dead, just the strength uh, that she's able to bring to a sci-fi zombie uh, type of post-apocalyptic show that oftentimes, let alone doesn't even have people of color, especially women of color, particularly black women involved in it, um, is a great undertaking. And I also would recommend, if you want to see 
a, a fine level of acting with her playing an African woman. You have to watch George. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I had the pleasure of getting a chance to watch it uh, last year. I don't know who the art director was, but the opening scene, the lighting, the imagery, um, very reminiscent uh, to the Oscar award winning film Moonlight that, I mean, it was almost as if Moonlight was just lighting off of her skin in the movie George with the way that it opened up and the silence and the beauty. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this movie, The Black Panther, because I feel that we're also going to get some just amazing shots of cinematography uh, that are going to go ahead and exist. And beyond the cinematography... I mean, have we just seen some of the trailers with the outfits that uh, the cast is donning? I mean, it just looks absolutely amazing. Um, I believe the name of the woman is Ruth E. Carter. She's the black woman that's responsible for all these larger-than-life costumes. We're going to be rooting for you, just like how uh, it's now turned into a catchphrase. We're rooting for everybody black. Ruth E. Carter, we're going to be rooting for you. Uh, it looks like she should be on the short list of um, Oscar-worthy participants when it comes to uh, costume design. I mean, there's an article that I, I read in the uh, Huffington Post uh, that talked about some of the uh, things that she took from, like, the Maasai uh, uh, warriors and some of their garb. And you can also see some of the other influences with some of the makeup uh, that exists. So I'm very interested to see once the movie fully comes out and we're able to go ahead and piece and pull together from all the different parts of the continent and the diaspora. And just, I mean, it's, it's going to be amazing. It's like footnotes are going to be needed for this film. This film is eventually going to go ahead and be taught. Like, we are in a special time right now. So... Big shots out to her, and I'm hopefully going to go ahead and see her winning an Oscar for this. In closing here, I'd like to say that these are our sisters, our mothers, our nieces, our aunts, our cousins. See them within the characters. Very few times do we get a chance to get a proper, authentically done representation of black women unfortunately once again this is a story that is not completely told by black women but let's go in with the confidence that it's going to be done correctly but we can't just stop at admiring the actresses and admiring the characters within fiction as much as we would like wakanda to be a reality we need to start with creating the reality in the way that we treat our sisters so with that being said i'd like to go ahead and end with a poem since we started with the poem from the incomparable poet mother daughter essayist dominique christina her poem titled karma this ain't poetry this is rage unmuted 
a verb, a means, an end. This is my body. This is Sankofa, Rwanda, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, Southside, Chicago, Compton, California, Red Hook Projects, New Jersey, Roosevelt Projects in Brooklyn. This is severed heads and clubs against flesh, black boots to pregnant bellies, sterilizations, masters, inoculations, leg irons and chains, the bit and the noose. This is a war cry. Tell Massa I'm coming back carrying fire in my knapsack. Tell him Patrice Lumumba, Stephen Biko, Fannie Lou Hammer. Tell him they have been born again in me. Tell him this is the result of segregation. Tell him this is the result of integration. Tell him I have never been invisible. Tell him he has never been invincible. I am the niece of exploitation on a rice and pancake box come to collect the royalties of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. I am a line of smoke, a rain dance, atomic hawk used to kill the first invader. I am a passport in South Africa, white's only sign on a courthouse door in Mississippi. A streets of Benghazi pocketed in prayer beads and shell casings. The juxtaposition of faith and savagery. Tell them I am African wide hips and American bulimia. Peace symbols affixed onto assault rifles. It is the deepest kind of contradiction. If I could write this shit in fire, I would write this shit in fire. Tell Massa I'm coming back. Howling the wind, I'm coming back. Burr in your heels, I'm coming back. Massa, I'm coming back. Massa, I'm coming back. And we will be back with another woke conda report. This is Benjamin Owakario Nanawo, editor and content curator for the SonicBreakdown.com. And once again, has been my pleasure to go ahead and bring the real to you. And remember, you can stay woke, but you gotta be woke. This is me signing out. Ha <laughs>